Man, I love the Christmas story. It never grows old with me. It never loses its wonder with me that God would visit us on this planet. And uh, man, I, I, what I wanted to do this year um, is do the words of Christmas. You know, these are the words that um, we see decorated. People put them in their yards and put white lights on them. Words like hope, words like joy, words like peace. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, I kind of want to unpack those three words. I'm going to do that on Christmas Eve as well and talk and give you a biblical perspective of these words that we so often use. And Christmas is an interesting time of year, isn't it? I mean, not everybody has the same experience. Uh, uh, we, uh, if you're like me, uh, uh, you feel uh, that there should be this magical sense that goes on inside of you where you have hope, where you have peace, where you have joy. But for some, Christmas can be really discouraging. It's easy to get caught up into the uh, of the culture of Christmas. It's easy to get caught up into the consumerism of Christmas. It's easy to get caught up into the commercialism of Christmas. And then by the end of it all, we wonder where these words of Christmas have gone. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and there isn't hope. Maybe you're here this morning and there isn't joy. Maybe you're here this morning and there isn't peace. And so this morning I'm going to start with the Christmas story, but I'm going to jump around just a little bit to give you uh, an understanding of the greatness of these words that we use at Christmas time. In fact, to understand the, the hope of Christmas, we, you really have to understand the culture of the season. You have to understand the culture of where these words were birthed. You have to understand the culture of the first Christmas because the, when the angels showed up to these shepherds, uh, you have to understand where the people of Israel were. I mean, we're talking about generations of people looking for hope, talking about generations of people who were wondering, where, where's the promise of a savior? Where's the promise of a Messiah? Where's the promise of the king? In fact, you have to read through the major prophets. In fact, you go back even further than that. I mean, the story of Christmas goes all the way back to Genesis and a guy by the name of Abraham. There's this guy named Abraham who was promised a child and God himself showed up in an angel uh, with an angel and announced to Abraham, and listen, through your child, there's going to be a great nation. And Abraham had one child. And through that child was... Uh, birthed a nation who became enslaved to the nation of Egypt. And then they were set free to become nomadic wanderers for a generation. And then they entered a promised land and they became, became a struggling nation. But then through uh, two kings, King David and King Solomon, this nation experienced its pinnacle, its greatness. And after King David and King Solomon, there was this constant struggle and this constant decline as this nation wandered away from God. And through the struggle and decline, eventually they were scattered among the nations. And there's this people, and they're waiting, and they're hoping for the intervention of God to restore all that he had promised through a bunch of prophets that were now long dead and gone. And so that is the scene where we find a little group of shepherds. And I wanna, I'm going to give you four quick points about hope this morning. First of all, waiting 
is the birthplace of hope. I want to say that again. Waiting is the birthplace of hope. If you're here this morning and you're struggling in your heart and it's difficult and your journey's been difficult and Christmas is not always easy and the holidays where everybody seems to have this magical hope and joy and peace and you're not experiencing it, I got really good news for you. Waiting is the soil where hope is born. In fact, I love the beginning of the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says this. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. The reason I love that picture in that scene is here are a couple guys, a group of men doing the lowest job in the community. It was the worst job you could have to be a shepherd. It was the lowest of the low, and they're doing their ordinary work on an ordinary day in an ordinary way, and suddenly God appears. And I think it's a microcosm of the community of people that are just waiting for God to intervene. Here's the truth about hope. Hope has everything to do with something you don't already have. I want you to think about that for a minute. Hope has everything to do with what you don't already have. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, and by the way, we're going to spend a little time jumping around on Romans. I was shocked when I was studying this word hope about how often the Apostle Paul uses it in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24, Paul says this about hope. He says, we were given this hope when we were saved. Now listen to this. If you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. Did you hear that? If you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. You know, Christmas morning's coming, and if you have kids, man, and, and, and there's, a, there's an age period where kids, it's, Christmas is great, you know. And as a parent, you can't wait to give them some of the things that they were hoping for, and you can't wait for them to open with enthusiasm the gifts that they have, you know. And, and, but here's the thing. Once they open their gift, they're no longer going to hope for it. Did you ever think about that? If you give them an iPad... They're not going to open their gift. The, the hope of having that electronic is now gone because they now have it, right? That's what hope is. Hope is about forward-looking, future-thinking, longing for something that we don't yet have. Yet when God intervenes, sometimes, so while waiting is the birthplace of hope, when God intervenes, he usually intervenes quickly. I want you to hear this. New hope usually comes suddenly, all right? Got a bunch of shepherds sitting out in the flocks, doing the ordinary, doing the normal. You know, we, we now know the story, but they were sitting there just doing their thing when suddenly some angels showed up. Hope arrives suddenly. Let me encourage you with this. If you're here this morning and you're a believer, you're investigating God, I want to encourage you with this. You know, some of you are about to give up on God just before he intervenes because hope arrives suddenly. God does his God thing, and sometimes we give up just before God shows up. The word of Christmas is hope. Second thing I want you to see about hope is how hope grows inside of us. This is really interesting because Paul gives us how hope can grow inside of us. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Paul says, we can rejoice too when we run into what? What's it say there, church? When we run into what? Two things. Problems and what? Now, that doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? Check this out. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop something. What do they help us develop? 
Endurance, right? And endurance develops something else inside of us. What's endurance develop? Strength of character. And strength of character uh, and character strengthens our confident what? Hope of salvation. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the process for hope, Paul says, is tough times, which develops endurance, which develops character, which develops confident hope. Now, how many of you would have thought it takes tough times to develop hope, right? It seems like it would be the opposite. Why is that? Why is it do you think that tough times develop hope? You know what I think that is? I can tell you what it means in my life. When I'm going through a difficult time, it usually takes my eyes off the here and now, right? See, when things are going well and, you know, whatever, you know, cash flow's good or whatever, your job promotion, kids are behaving, whatever, things, marriage is great. When, I, when things here on earth are going well, you know where my eyes tend to go? My, the eyes of my heart, they tend to go here on earth. Oh, this is great. A little bit of heaven on earth. And listen, I'm, I rejoice when things are going well. That's a good thing. But when difficult times come, that's when I start to ask the questions like this. There's got to be more to life than this, right? You don't ask that question during good times. You ask that question during difficult times. Difficult times is an opportunity to explore what is true, what is lasting, what is eternal? And where does my hope really lie? And difficult times, Paul says, man, they, 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 they build in us endurance which builds character, which strengthens our hope. Difficult times strengthen our hope and build our hope. Now, here's the linking mechanism to hope. Ready? Faith is the linking mechanism to hope. It's hope's linking mechanism, all right? I want to stay in Romans for a minute because Paul talks about hope. I started the sermon by reminding you about Abraham. Abraham's an amazing story. Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is promised by God to have a son. We don't, you know, he's already a guy that's probably middle aged, right? And so he's promised a son and God tells him, listen, Abraham, through your son, I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to birth a great nation, Years go by, no son. Decades go by, no son. And Abraham begins to wonder, like, how is God's promise going to be fulfilled? I mean, what's taking God so long? I mean, where's this, where's this promise of this son? And the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, he actually gives us a little insight into the thinking of Abraham. And so he says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, when there's no son, it says, even when there was no reason for what, church? There was no reason for hope. Abraham kept doing what? Hoping. And what's the linking mechanism? It's faith, right? Believing that he would become the father of many nations. Why? Because God had said to him that, that, that uh, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. What's he talking about, ready? He's saying, God, this is impossible because all the things that it takes inside the human body to have a baby ain't working anymore. That's what he's thinking, right? Like, it's impossible, God. 
Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. I want you to hear that again, because this is, this is the father of our faith, actually. Abraham was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. What is hope? Ready for this? What is hope? Hope is believing in God's character and God's ability. Hope is believing that God is able to do whatever he has promised he's going to do. Now, here's, here's where hope fades. You see, some of you in this room, you're, you're placing your hope in the things of this world. And the Bible is very clear, like the things of this world are all passing away. And so when you hope in the things of this world, you're, you're po- putting your hope in something that will not last. Your body won't last. Your resources won't last. All of it is passing away. Some of you in this room are, are placing your hope in some form of an addiction. You know, I, I just, I'll drink more tonight. I'll, I'll smoke, the, you know, some, some drug will give me the high that I need to get me through. That's a very short-sighted form of hope. And in fact, the more you place your hope in those kinds of things, the more it leaves you hopeless on the back end. Some of you are placing your hope in, you know, some kind of relationship, man, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, they're going to fulfill me. I'm going to tell you something, those, the people around, even spouses, they disappoint us from time to time. Even, you know, if you've married a great one, like I have, they, none of, no human being can fulfill the heart, like placing your faith in God himself and in his character and in his promises. Some of you are placing your faith in money, man. If I just make enough, and, and I'll tell you, uh, the recession of, of the last decade has, sh- I think, shook all of us and shook this culture to its core. Like, man, that's a fleeting hope. That, that, that's going to leave us empty, right? Uh, our hope and its linking mechanism is putting your faith in the character and the promises of God. Here's the third thing I want you to see about hope this morning. The source of hope. The source of hope. Romans chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, and actually he sums up the Christmas story maybe in a little bit more of a theological way. Romans 15 verse 12, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah, the Apostle Paul. He says, in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope in him. And in verse 12 he says, I pray that God... The source of what, church? The source of hope, right? The source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The reason that Christmas is the birthplace of hope, the reason it's one of the words of Christmas is because the incarnation, okay? It's a big church word. It means that God wrapped himself in flesh. The incarnation And so our hope, the source of our hope is to be a worshiper of God's son. The source of our hope is the person in the work of Jesus Christ. His person is that he's God wrapped in flesh. 
His work is that he, he kept the rules. He kept the law perfectly. He substituted himself on the cross. He, he paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. He took the punishment of the, on the cross that your sin and my sin deserved. And then he defeated death and he conquered the grave through the resurrection. And he's coming again to finish the work that he started, conquering all the enemies of God. Our hope is the promised return of Jesus Christ. And when he comes, he's going to fully conquer the enemies of God, the world, the flesh, our flesh, and the devil. And our hope is when he comes again, it will be a complete victory. And so the question then comes to my mind, so what do we do in the meantime? What do we do in the meantime? I think in the meantime, we do what the shepherds were doing. We, we, we do the ordinary things that God has called our hands to, and we do it with faithfulness, and we do it with glory to him, looking for the day of his return. We're faithful in our jobs, honoring God when we work hard every day. We're faithful in our parenting. We're faithful in our local churches. We, we, we're faithful in trusting and doing the ordinary things that God has called us to do. But in the meantime, our eyes are focused on the hope of the return of Christ. No different than the shepherds. Hundreds of years of generations going, when's the Messiah coming? When's the Messiah coming? And when the Messiah came, his first advent, he began the victory that he will complete upon his return. Church, I cannot wait. And my eyes are focused on him. And in the meantime, the Apostle Paul says, the source of our hope is empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, you get a deposit of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit births certain fruits in your heart and lives. Galatians chapter 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, and the fruit of the Spirit, and your trust in Christ gives you the overflow, or as Paul says, a confident hope in the salvation of Christ coming. Maybe you're here this morning, and you say, you know what, Pastor Sean, that, that all sounds great, you know, that I guess you walk around every day filled with hope, right? Your hope never wanes. You know, I, I'd like to have some of that. You know, I, I, I love the Psalms, and uh, if you're not regularly reading your psalms, let me encourage you to do that. And the, the great thing about the psalms is the psalmists go through all the normal stuff we go through. And they talk about it, right? And I love, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 42 because it's so earthy and real. In Psalm 42, verse 5, the psalmist asks the question, why am I so discouraged why is my heart so sad? Your other older versions of the Bible say this. Some of y'all that have read a lot will recognize this. Why so downcast? Oh my what? So oh my soul, right? And then the psalmist does something to himself. He preaches the gospel to himself. He reminds himself, the reason you're downcast, you're looking at things that won't last. And so the psalmist then preaches to himself, I know I will put my hope in God. And so sometimes when I'm hopeless or my hope has waned, I began to look inside of my heart and say, Sean, what is it that you're hoping in that's not going to last? Where is it in your life that you are not putting your trust in the promises and the character of the God that we worship? I will put my hope in God, the, the psalmist says. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You ever been there? 
Why so downcast, oh my soul? Oh, wait a minute. Put your hope in God. And so I want to be honest here this morning as we wrap this up and I bring this to a conclusion. The words of Christmas, hope. You have to, there is a, literally, literally a spiritual fight for hope. There's a, when we talk about the fact that this is not peacetime, and I say that frequently when I'm teaching, I say, you know, a lot of times I think as Americans, we think this is peacetime. This is not peacetime, okay? We're in a battle. One of the things we fight for is the fight for hope because hope leaks, right? Hope leaks out of our hearts and it leaks out of our minds. And, and because it leaks, like, we, we've got to fight for it. You have to take action, because there's so many things fighting for your attention that will draw hope out of your heart. And so we have to battle spiritually. And so at Coastal, like we, we want to help you battle for hope. And how do we do that? Ready? Connect, grow, serve. Did that slide go up before I said that or did you say that? Did you say that? Now, some of you are going, I can't believe he's throwing the mission statement into the Christmas sermon, you know. Can I, can I just stop here for a minute and say, like, I'm not just laying our mission statement in front of you because I got nothing else to do throughout the week, all right? Like, this really, this stuff that we talk about, it really is the battle for hope. Like, the connect, grow, serve is how we develop to be authentic followers of Christ. Like, this is the battle for hope, church. And when we get discouraged or when you're discouraged, like, like the idea of being a regular part of corporate worship. Why is that important? It's important because, well, first of all, the scripture tells don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why does God tell us that? Is God mad at us if we don't go to church? Like, oh man, I'm so disappointed. They didn't go give their hour, right? Or just some religious box to check, check. No, if, if that's what you think God is, if that's what you think corporate worship is, if that's what you think the mission of Connect, Grow, Service, you've missed the point. Corporate worship is the fight for hope. I'm gonna tell you something. When we sing corporately, and listen, I, I kind of joke all the time, like I don't really like music that much, but I love singing corporate worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love sitting up front when you guys sing. And when we sing these songs, these truths about God, and man, my heart swells with hope. As I'm singing praise to God, like, hey, is this stuff true? And I begin to ask these questions, and the truths of God begin to give my heart and renew my heart no matter how rough my week has been. Corporate singing together does something supernatural to my soul. Has anybody else experienced that? And then when the word is preached, and I got news for you. Listen, when I'm not preaching, you know, unless I'm on vacation, like, I'm here, worshiping with you because I want to hear the preached word too. And when the word is preached and suddenly something stirs inside of my heart and I'm reminded of the truths of God, I'm reminded of eternal things. And suddenly my heart swells with hope as I'm reminded of the truths of God and the gospel message of Christ. I'm here worshiping with you when I'm not preaching because I need to hear the word preached as well. Corporate worship, it is the battle for hope. Anybody else ever experienced that? And then grow, man, be in a small group ministry. 
Like it's not a spiritual box to check. God, God, we want at Coastal, we want the, the truth of God's word to intersect with your life. Maybe you're here this week and something hits you hard and you would love to just ask a question. Like, man, Pastor Sean, like I got a question. Like, I lost my job this week. I mean, how do I find hope in the middle of this? That's where small group, we take the teaching of the word of God and we intersect it with other Christians so that you can ask these questions. You can journey through life together. It's the intersection of life and truth inside your small group. Like, how's this work for me? I don't, I'm struggling, and other people come around you and encourage you in the word. And then serving others in a ministry and a mission of Coastal. Let me tell you something. There's nothing that gives you purpose like giving of yourself to another person. For a few minutes of your week, you take your eyes off you, and you serve someone else, and suddenly you're like, uh, things like thankfulness and gratefulness... And helping others, man, it stirs in you. These are biblical principles that help us battle for hope. We didn't just make these, this stuff up. This is, these are tools to fight for hope. I love the Christmas season. One of the things I love about the Christmas season is, is Christmas songs. And, and one of the things that's fascinating to me is is when I'm wandering through a store or I'm channel surfing on the radio or I'm out and about in the community and I hear some of these artists uh, in our culture that sing songs that are terrible and don't honor God and they honor things other than the Lord, yet then I hear them because they're great vocalists, you hear them singing Christmas songs on their new Christmas album. And I'm like, I, like there's times where I'm like, are, are they hearing what they're singing about? Are they, are they listening I love the song, Oh Holy Night. And it reminds me of, of where I find myself in my soul and in my mind and my spirit. Maybe, maybe you're here today, but I love the opening lines. I want to read them for you. Oh Holy Night, the stars were brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. The night when Christ was born. That is hope. And so the way I want to finish this sermon this morning is I've invited Joel and Joanna come up and remind us of the hope, the hope of that first Christmas morning some 2,000 years ago when God intervened that holy night when Christ was born.
holy night. Why was it a holy night? Because 2,000 years ago, God intervened with his son and gives us hope. Church, let me encourage you this Christmas season, feast on Christ. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is who gives us peace. God loves us in Christ. Hope in him. Feast on him. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for that holy night. Your first advent, your first coming. You set in motion the process of setting it all straight. God, as your people, we worship you. We give you praise and we thank you for hope. And we keep our eyes focused on you. And we trust in your promises, God, like Abraham who trusted your promises for decades, knowing that you were going to do what you said you were going to do. God, we keep our eyes and our hearts focused on your promise that you are going to come again. And at that moment, you will vanquish. You will finish what you started. You will vanquish all your enemies. And God, we will live in a place of perfection for all eternity with you, our Savior, our hope our joy, and our peace. Your Son, Jesus Christ, we long for that day when our faith will be sight. Thank you for hope, and it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.